Today, Minus 3 is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. You get great odds and markets for the NBA Finals. What remains of them? They may already be over by the time you're listening. NHL Stanley Cup Final, Major League Baseball, and oh, so much more. Great new and existing user promos. FanDuel's America's number one sportsbook because it's easy to use. It's safe and secure. You get your winnings delivered in as quick as two hours. And of course, any sports day, you can get the same game parlay. Discover the most popular ones each day right when you log in and if you're new just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started we just ask you to do your pals here at minus three a favor and sign up with the promo code minus three the word minus the number three so they know we sent you and now let's get this episode going minus three with Dave Damashek. Hi, hello, sports fans. Welcome to the brand new episode of Minus Three, right on the heels of one that we did not 24 hours ago with PFF's Brad Spielberger. As I always say, I didn't get into this line of work to talk about math, but as it happens in the 21st century, math is a major component of contracts, free agency, and otherwise. So we bring in smart people like Brad to help illuminate those issues on Deshaun Watson, Baker Mayfield. Um, so on and so forth. What's going to go down in pro football here? It's getting close, everybody. In the meantime, let's say hello to our guy who's probably sweating it out right now with his Boston Celtics about to take the floor against the Golden State Warriors. One game away from glory. Can the Celts stave off elimination and force a game seven back in San Francisco? I'm talking, of course, about one of uh, Boston's highest profile, most celebrated fans. It's Kevin Hench. What's the poop, fella? How are you? Oh, my God. I'm, you know, as I'm sure Spaghetti felt with the Rangers, you know, the NHL and NBA playoffs are so long that if your team goes far, you're exhausted. You're just you're just exhausted. So, like, I don't I don't know if this happens to you guys, but like I start looking at my phone like what what's today? Is there maybe not a game tonight? That would be great if there weren't a game. Oh, no, there is a game tonight. Like, OK. Oh, okay. My night is spoken for and probably destroyed. It's so the emotional investment. It's so exhausting. And, you know, I mean, Spaghetti's Rangers up two games to none up to zip in game three, you start to believe it's going to happen. And obviously when the Celtics went up two games to one and the, and Vegas said the Celtics are favored to win the NBA championship. It's not just my heart. The quants are telling us the Celtics are more than likely than not to win the NBA championship. How can you not get sucked in? Mm -hmm. And then once you get sucked in, then you can get fucking blown out that jet engine of emotional devastation, you know, which is where you find me today. Very tender and fragile. You know, I mean, like, I'm, I feel like, you know, some people go through a divorce and they're like, I don't want anything to fucking keep it all. I don't care. I just want out. I just want out. It's like, I, I <laughs> that's where I'm at. These goddamn NBA playoffs. It is. I think it's one of, um, I think fans would be pretty bummed out if they 
re- recognize that they take the losses harder than the actual players do. Draymond Green has gotten a fair amount of heat during this series for doing a podcast immediately after games, including Dubs' losses. And I think, I mean, Gronkowski is probably the best example when they lost whichever Super Bowl it was, I guess, to the Giants. And he was then seen 90 minutes after the fact dancing up on a stage drunk and everything. This is basically the behavior of most of your of your favorite players, you know? And uh, I, I, I wonder if we can reconcile that we're so deluded that we actually care more on some level than these guys do. I guess because they can say, they, they have to self-rationalize. They can't absorb responsibility, fault for the loss, you know, that individually. So, so they have to say, make rationalizations like, well, at least I still am worth, uh, you know, tens of millions of dollars. Um, and, you know, there's always next season, whereas the fans are just devastated. And I guess it's because you can blame someone else. That's what it comes down to is we fans can point at you and say, we would have won if it not for you. And, and you can't look in the mirror and, and make that same case generally. Is that right? Well, I mean, the, I guess part of it is, you know, I think if you're a rat in a maze or a, a rat on an electrical grid getting shocked. Like if if you feel control over your own electrocution, like if you can get the cheese and stave off electrocution, the trauma is is much less severe than it's like, you have no role in whether you get shocked or not. It's just this Milgram experiment where you say, okay, I'm all strapped in, so now electrocute, I guess shock me or don't shock me, but I can't, I can't double team anybody. I can't block any shots. I can't die for a loose ball. I, all I can do is sit here and get fucking shocked over and over and over again while the ball finds our shittiest shooters who hoist <laughs> up another brick. I'm just being fucking tortured the whole time and there's nothing I can do about it. Um, I mean, as anyone who's played with me knows if I was, if I, had the same shots that Marcus smart tends to get the Celtics would be having a parade in Boston. Um, I can't do the rest of it, but just that part, uh, you know, it's funny thinking about like players, how they feel after games. Um, Chuck Honeywell stinger coach, Chuck Honeywell, my high school basketball coach. Like I thought that was a name I should know. I'm glad you explained further. You don't know, you don't know stingers work. I don't know. It was, it was very clear. Like, Hey, you know, if we lose on the road, which we did pretty regularly, there's no music on the bus on the way home. You can't listen to music. You got to think about what just happened uh, in Lebanon, New Hampshire on the drive home. Imagine going, yeah, guys, turn the music off. I got to do my podcast. Like, this was high school. This was high school. And coach is like, yeah, guys, suffer. So, you know, hey, Coach Kerr, I know you've got to wrap up the uh, postmortem. I got to get on my podcast. (laughs) I also, you know, the most extreme example of fandom is I've talked with military guys who, you know, served in Afghanistan and Iraq and otherwise, and they'll talk about how nervous they are watching whatever team that we, you know, oh, I I was so, dude, I was so nervous watching the Steelers game. I'm like, you got shot at, man. How could that equal, how could that, how could you be nervous watching a football game of strangers? And there, there's something about the human 
uh, condition that doesn't allow for a wild range of how deep your emotions are somehow <laughs> being in that spot in Afghanistan or watching the Ravens against uh, the Steelers in January pretty much makes you the same level of nervous. I, I can't reconcile that in my dumb brain. Well, it is funny because every junkie like us, you know, especially with a long playoff run that may be coming to an end, you start, I, I mean, I do this six times a year where I go, maybe it's not worth it. Like maybe I need to get some hobbies or so. I don't know what, what else is there? And, you know, and then Mac Jones threads the needle or Jalen Brown converts a three point play. And I'm just, you know, sucked back in Red Sox are hot. Like I'm just such a junkie. I could never even imagine uh, doing myself a favor of, of moving on with my life. Well, let's do it now. I, a lot of people, we did it last episode or or we did it a week ago where we did a post game in the pregame. We did it with Spaghetti's Rangers against the Lightning. Only he, only his crystal ball saw clear the short-term future, which was the demise of his beloved uh, blue shirt slash rag slash Rangers, whatever you wish to call them. Let's do it again now. I'll start with you, Hench. Look into the crystal ball. How did game six go in the garden? By the way, we talked about that on Extra Points with Sal and Marty. Do you call it the garden as a uh, Boston sports fan, or is that uh, no sacrilegious to do that? Uh, it's not sacrilegious, but I don't, you know, I I just don't call it the garden. That means something else. Fair. So, well, and that's accurate too, right? Um, but, you know, so it's funny I, uh, you know, I, I, I have a side piece, as you guys know, occasionally I get invited on another podcast. And so, first of all, I can't believe how invested people are in, in telling you how fucking stupid you are and how much you suck. I mean, you get it more. I mean, check, you've been doing it for a while. Like, I don't really have any social media presence. I don't really like, I'm just like, Hey, I'm just walking through life. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to hurt any feelings. And like, people are like, they will just fucking crucify you. I mean, sometimes you don't even know, what did you say? Like, I'm like, I don't even know what you're angry about. Like, I thought I was pretty fair about the Celtics poor performance and the warrior superiority. But anyway, you, you can never, you can never be safe from the crowd who just thinks you're an idiot. Well, now, I, by the way, I think that the Celtics are the superior team. One through, you know, through the rotational guys. I think the Celtics are the deeper team now. Well, I mean, if you, if the ball is always ending up in a guy, you know, the Celtics rotate the ball and then they get a shot that both Marcus Smart and Derek White are happy to take and the Warriors are happy to take. So I don't really, that, that depth thing really comes down to who's taking your shots and who's happy with that. And the Warriors are fine with the guys that are taking our shots. And, and we're not so happy with the guys who are making their shots. So, so true. So to uh, Gary Payton uh, defers to Steph Curry, Marcus smart does not defer to Jason Tatum or juice Brown. If, if he Mark, has a Marcus decent, smart. if he has a halfway decent look, he's uh, he's putting it up. Marcus smart has taken the most shots on the Celtics in crunch time. He leads the team and he's shooting 14%. So that's uh, that's good for the Warriors. Anyway, on that other uh, side piece podcast, I in the heat of the moment, 
I, I did say that I thought the Celtics would win game six, but now having had a time, had time to sit with it and remembering what I said on this podcast, my main squeeze, by the way, you guys are my main, my main. I hope you just mentioned your main squeeze when you're, when you're laying next to your side piece. That's all. How, when would I get time? Um, but anyway, so the, the, my original bet when this series started was Warriors in six plus 400. Mm. So I will assume when people tune in, although Spencer Spaghetti could get this up before the game. Sure. But if people have already seen the game, I'm going to assume <laughs> after the game. Okay, saying after. Uh, I'm going to assume that that plus 400 ticket has cashed and the Warriors have put me out of my misery in game six. I got bad news for you. As long as Clay Thompson doesn't make the mistake of doubling down and thinking the the Atlantic Ocean has the same powers as the Pacific from which he emerged born anew, um, as he said, and I've counseled everybody to dip dip yourself into the Pacific to feel not just to wash off the day soils, but to wash off all of society's ills. As long as he doesn't think that the Atlantic next to Boston is going to provide the same thing because it could, in fact, sully him all over again. As long as he avoids that... I think that, uh, or in fact, whether he does it or not, I think the Celts are sending it back to you San think Francisco. The Celtics have sent it back. I think yes, yeah. It was and and uh, it was because Juice Brown, who if the Celts can win Game Seven coming up here, he will be your MVP. I think Jason Tatum had a pretty nice game here, and Draymond <laughs> Green went over seven and a half. And uh, so he did that. And, J- and Jason uh, and uh, I'm sorry, uh, Jalen Brown went over 24 and a half and or I'm sorry, 23 and a half. And Steph Curry went over 28 and a half. That's part of my three leg. The basket is over half full. Uh, same game parlay for you. Bet that FanDuel dot com slash minus three. Eddie Spaghetti, what is your crystal ball for C? Yeah, so when you're listening to this podcast on Friday, what happened in uh, game six is a Boston Celtics win. It's going to be the same thing I said on the previous minus three. Hench brought this up way, way, way back in the beginning of the series. I think it was like four months ago, it feels like. And the Celtics, the plan, the game plan was to force people not named Steph Curry to win the games. Andrew Wiggins had a great game. So in a weird way, the Celtics did force that. But like I said, the Celtics on offense did not really get it done. But I think, um, well, I know what we watch in game six, we will see. Tatum and Brown uh, actually score points offensively, and I do think that the Celtics uh, interior-wise on offense, I think Horford, you'll you'll see have a much better game, and they'll kind of control this one. It'll be a tight one, but uh, the Celtics did win this game, and we will now have a Game 7. Horford is old. It's not surprising if he would, uh, you know, be slowing down a little bit here. Let's jump to the Stanley Cup final here in between games one and two, and I want to talk a little bit more about hockey and its place in the hierarchy of sport. In fact, I want to try and see if we can figure out where popular sports are going over the next quarter century, but let's start it off here with the puck. It was a glorious game one. I really felt like it didn't hit me before the game, but it hit me as soon as the game started. Oh, if the Lightning win this one, the series is a game one. I mean, if they win this, if they win this one, it's it's going to be such an emotional gut punch to Colorado. I don't think they're going to get right again, especially then Vasilevsky lets in two softies, and nevertheless, it's tied about halfway through the game. 
I think in a, an array of superstars in the NHL, Kale McCarr once again stood out as the best player on the ice in game one. Um, how say you, Hench? What's your thought on game one and going forward? Who do you have winning this thing? It's so crazy. I mean, I took the avalanche. I uh, got him at a good price before the regular season ended. Um, and, and yet, and, and I actually, you know, I think I I've, I've been saying all spring and again, it feels like four years ago, but like that, I thought the Maple Leafs, you know, that the lightning's time was up. I thought the Maple Leafs were primed to do it. Obviously I thought the Rangers up two games, the zip and two goals to zip in game three, were going to do it. And then I'm like, well, now you're dealing with the freight train, the avalanche, you know, your time is definitely up lightning and watching them come back from a two goal deficit, the same way they did against the Rangers in game three, that team, like it's, it's crazy. Like you, you want to say to these guys, like you proved your point. You won two cups. Like, what are you doing? Why do you need this so desperately? And they just have a psychotic competitiveness. They do not want to let go of that either of those cups. They want the cup to reside in Florida, as awful as that sounds. And so you you watch them grind their way back into games where they really the ice really tilts and no one's really done that against the Avalanche. Like, you know, even though the shots still ended up favoring the Avalanche when the Lightning made their push, they were the better team for long stretches. And I think like the big rig uh, and, and uh, Nick Paul, like they hit you, they lean on you and they, and it starts the ice, all that open ice goes away that McCarr and McKinnon are able to fly around. And so even after the gut punch of losing one, you might've stolen. I watching that game, watching, you know, again, Vasilevsky, McKinnon made this crazy move where he like toe drags the puck back inside. He destroys his man and he's squared up on Vasilevsky and you see the angle. You're like, there's still nothing to shoot at. Like Vasilevsky's just covering the entire goal. So having watched that game, even though the Avalanche won, if I had to place a bet now, I would bet plus 215 on the Lightning. I've already bet plus 1,000 on Vasilevsky to win the Conn Smythe. And uh, I, I would uh, I would double down on on that. I I actually I felt like the Avalanche were were kind of a little exposed. Like I think the Lightning can skate with them, and I think they hit with them. And so I was just like felt like I was watching a, a dynasty that is just not interested in uh, the next dynasty being crowned. I, I kind of hear you. I think the narrative that people run with, and I think like if you're a talking head on Sports Center, you're probably not devoting that great a percentage of your time to watching NHL games. And so people are, are late arrivals to these teams and, and watching them. And so the the narrative is kind of like, well, the high flying abs and, 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 you know, there's some star power on the lightning, but, you know, vet savvy. And, you know, I, I do think they deserve credit, you know, in the front office for my, my, my lack of faith in them was they they've lost their bottom six guys and they're not going to be able to fix that up. And that's, you know, that kind of grit is something you need for the two month run. And then they in fact did do that with Nick Paul and beyond, but let's well, not it. I mean, Kucherov and, and, and plot 
and Stamkos and otherwise, you know, they can skate with anybody. The, the idea that like, well, the, the, the Avs should just overwhelm them offensively. I don't see that. Obviously, the Lightning have a huge edge between the pipes. How about a goalie named Darcy? I looked it up. Darcy, you think, boy, that's that's a rough name for a fella in the NHL. Turns out there are like been 10, 12 Darcys in NHL history. I thought that was a, a fun fact to share. Darcy um, Rhoda? Darcy Rhoda? Oh, I remember Darcy Tucker. Uh, Darcy Tucker's the one who I remember, number one. But um, either way... The guy who jumps out to me again is I all these great stars out there, just like it was against the Edmonton Oilers. I have to say again, Kale McCarr is going to go down as one of like the three best uh, defensemen in NHL history. It, it just seems obvious to me when this, you know, I, I always bring it up because uh, it's a name drop. But anecdotally, I asked Sidney Crosby, who's who's one of the better players um, of the 21st century, if you don't know him, and a great skater. And I said, what's the difference between when you started and, and, and now in your career? And he said, even when I first got into the league, bottom six guys, a lot of defensemen couldn't skate. You could skate past them. Everybody can skate now. And despite that, here in 2022, Kale McCarr skates by guys like it's a Bobby Orr highlight, you know, from from his own end. When he gets ahead of steam coming through the neutral zone, he just goes around guys like they're pylons. I've never seen anything like it, and he's so clever in the offensive end. He is dominant, right? And I know Spaghetti likes to mention Adam Fox, and rightfully so, because he's he's also terrific. But Kale McCarr is, is an all-time great already, and I feel like – Somebody who was in on a band before other people were, because as soon as I saw Kale McCart uh, last year, I was like, oh, my God, what, what, what the hell with that guy? He's a different level. Um, and now people are coming around to him. But but he's the guy to watch. Uh, Spaghetti. Uh, game two, by the way, Tampa Bay plus 132 on the money line. To your point, Hench, I was surprised by that juice. And the total on, on it is six. And to my point about the Lightning's ability, I know that they'd rather it be a 3-2 game. But I think that both sides have enough offensive punch that betting over six where the total is right now is a smart bet too. Spaghetti, your pick for game two. I mean, I I did say originally the Avalanche, I thought it could be a shorter series in like five, and now I think it may go closer to six or seven just because I, I tweeted this out that like the Lightning are, they're like a cockroach. Like they just won't die, and they know how to kind of morph their game into who they're playing. And the Avalanche are a team that are super high-flying, and it's super easy for them to gain the zone, and the Lightning did, they stopped that. They shut that down, and they were blocking that from happening. And obviously, the, the comeback they had, you know, being down 3-1, it's 3-3 and they just suck the air to that building and they're a team that you know people look into the series like oh the high-flying avalanche and like the defensive-minded goalie driven lightning team it's like that's not the case this team is super deep uh you know henchburg up nick paul is a great move the deadline getting hagel as well like they just find ways to reload on the bottom lines obviously brayden point coming back is huge and i was interested early on how he was going to play and i believe like right off the bat he had like four shifts um and like over and like over five minutes of ice time so he was on the ice for over a minute a shift and that's what you want to see in a guy who's coming back from a, a pretty tough injury and if he's going to be healthy and they're going to score the way they are and they could shut down colorado it's going to be a really really tight series um, I will say that I wish Colorado, you know, Kel McCarr, great offensively. And I'm not saying this to, to tout Adam Fox more, but I, I do wish that he did have more of a defensive mind, uh, a defensive presence on the ice because they don't really have that guy to, to lock them down. Even Taves, they're still more offensively minded. And that kind of scares me when you want a, a guy like Hedman on the other side that it could really 
um, you know, clear the crease and, and can stop your, your top players. But uh, at home, I'm still going to say this game is going to, Vasilevs is going to be a lot better. It won't be as high scoring. I think it'll be like a 3-2 score. Um, I, 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 I'm still going to go with the Avalanche here at home. I think they're going to just, they're going to hold serve. But man, this is going to be a really, really tight series. Um, yeah, I think if they get it to 2-0, though, they're, you know, uh, they're on a mission. They do have, they are plagued by the extra weight of the curse supposed to the avalanche. They got to get it done here. I thought that was a massive victory. I thought if they had given that one away, the air of I- inevitability for Tampa would have overwhelmed everyone in that building for game two, but here we are. So it's going to be a good series going forward. But real quick, just to piggyback on the, on the, on the Kucherov things is I think that, you know, <laughs> I don't, I don't know how you forget how good the two time Stanley cup champions are, but you know, Spaghetti mentioned Taves. Like, Kucherov made Taves look so bad on his little drop pass to Palat for the tap-in. Like like a like an unrestricted free agent corner going up against Jerry Rice. Like, he got his hips. Like, he just, he just came through on a little angle, and he just dusted him. And Taves almost fell down. Like, it was like he was so, you know, you talk about Crosby saying guys couldn't skate. Well, Kucherov made a good skater look like he couldn't skate. And then that pass, I don't want to give Spaghetti PTSD, but like that's the tap in that Strom couldn't quite tap in. Like Dick Kucherov basically did everything. I'm going to do everything. And all you have to do is have your stick on the ice and you're going to score. And so like he's a, a transcendent player that is, is not outskilled by all those great avalanche superstars. So yeah, I think at, at this price, uh, having, having the better, having the experience and having the better goalie and being able to get plus 215 on the lightning, I just think it's a great bet. I wonder if that that's uh, maybe a conversation at the end of this thing, if Kucherov especially gets the con Smythe or something, but it is weird. He, uh, People talk about Mike Trout as the most anonymous superstar. I wonder if it's in fact Kucherov. I wonder if he's covered up by Nor multiple trophy Norris Trophy winner Headman and Stamkos has the name by itself has cachet and the way Stamkos looks out on the ice and everything. I, well, it's funny. I don't think Kuch, a lot of people who would even claim themselves to be hockey fans would. Often will list will we'll forget to list Kucherov if they're making their top five or whatever, and I say that because I'm one of those people who would probably forget the name Kucherov when you're listing the five or six best guys in the league. Um, I want to get back to hockey, like I say quickly though. I want to tell you about, or I want to get your thoughts, Hench, on Aaron Judge. The Metropolitans and the Yankees, to the chagrin of most people who live outside the tri-state, these are the two best teams in baseball right now. And with all the, you know, the the finals going on in two other major sports and otherwise, it's weird to me. And maybe it's because we've been through it so many times. And is the is the home run chase the single season record? Has it just been forever diminished by Barry Bonds and Sosa and McGuire? Is it, have we seen too many guys get off to a hot start? But this guy wears the pinstripes and he was in the news right before the season because he decided that I'm going to play the field after this season. And I'm talking about Aaron Judge. And now he has 25 home runs in what, like 64-ish games, Spaghetti? So that projects to be like, that projects if he keeps the pace to be what, like low 60s? Judge has played in, in 60 games. In 60 games, so... 
you know, I'm bad at math, but simple math would be like, so he's low 60s-ish. He would be on pace. I mean, he's at 25 right now. It would be 60 games, 120 games, and then add another 60. So it's like you triple his numbers now. It's 75, which is obviously a pace that's well. That's 180. So that would get you right. So 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 right. So you got to pull. But but let him play 180 games. He's got a shot. So what do you think, Hench? What is what is Judge hit, and does anybody care in 2022 about the single home single season home run chase? It's such a bummer because it's like if they just said, hey. Um, these guys are going to juice. And uh, while people were juicing, a guy ran a three minute mile. Um, now we're not going to juice. Is anybody going to break the three minute mile? No, of course, no one's going to run a three minute mile clean. So yeah, I think, I think 60 would still be an exciting number on, and obviously one of the all time salary drives, like just incredible. Um, of course he's going to stay healthy. You know, is like, he's going to, he's going to, you might ask for a billion dollars. Like he's going to have all the leverage, but can he get to the, the flaxseed 73? Of course not. Of course not. Like those, those numbers were destroyed. I mean, they were, they, they were rendered meaningless by a generation of cheaters. And so even a guy, when you look at Aaron judge and you know, the way he flicks the ball to right, like it, it would be exciting to see a, a, a Yankee like Aaron Judge, a likable guy as someone who hates the Yankees, you know, make a run at the record. But that's been forever ruined by the cheaters. They say he's not going to hit 74 home runs. But as I always say about that, when people get up on Mount Pius about we can't put that guy into the Hall of Fame because or we if we, we'd have to put an asterisk on their plaque, as I always say, they're already asterisked. We can tick off all the guys. We know who they are. They are in their own category. So if Judge did hit 62, wouldn't that be cause for national celebration among sports fans? Because that would break the record non-juice. It should it should be, but we all know how this works, right? It it just won't. Well then well, if if that if that is the measure, then you must put in Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire and Barry Bonds into the Hall of Fame, right? Yeah. I mean, now, now we're damning the only people that were, were, were the cut your nose to spite your face method of the sports writers who vote on these things to punish Barry Bonds and otherwise. They're still rich. The only people that are being punished are the people who care about the history of the sport on some level. And like I say, you don't need a separate wing in the Hall of Fame for these guys because we all understand what they did and who they are and and what they took. And so we already impose an asterisk on them, much like we do with your uh, New England Patriots and their some of their tainted Lombardi trophies from the you early part of You know what would be, a, be a great song for Spaghetti to play under this segment? What's that? The Needle and the Damage Done. Um, all right. Oh, you know what? Let me, uh, while we're talking baseball, very quickly, let me remind you, new customers get $200 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. You can do it any way you like. You can be on the money line, on the total player props, all can be uh, folded into one nice, tidy, same game parlay. Just sign up with the promo code minus three to get in on the action. FanDuel, like I say, Matt, money line, home run props, they got it all. Go to fanduel.com. And the same game parlay is my favorite way to get it done. Just make sure you use the promo code minus three, the word minus, the number three, and turn a $5 bet into $200 in free bets. Win or lose on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. 
and hench, we're talking baseball, we're talking hockey, all of it. Baseball, a half a century ago, was obviously the most popular sport. And boxing was pretty clearly number two. Pro football hadn't fully arrived yet. We were into the Super Bowl era, though, so it was on the rise. Hockey and NBA, distant in the rearview mirror in the hierarchy of popularity. I bring this up because the NHL saw a real boost in its ratings, thanks in part to the style of play, obviously owed to uh, larger platforms provided by ESPN and TNT as well. Um, And then 25 years ago, I think you would still go pro, but pro football had vaulted past everything and established itself as the clear cut number one. Baseball was still number two. And we were promised around then, look out, because here comes NASCAR. And it never fully arrived. That never happened. And the NBA was three and the NHL was fourth. Now, what's our order? We would go, we would go obviously pro football number one, but the NBA has clearly jumped. Major League Baseball, is MMA ahead of, isn't ahead of baseball or is it? Well, it's funny when Spaghetti sent out the the MMA reminder, um, you know, I have this very dystopian theory about where basically everything is headed. And I would, I would happily be proven wrong about any of this because it's, it's not good. But, you know, in our lifetime, right, you know, and Sheck and I have been around for a while, but if you look at you look at everything we consume. What is the trend? The the ineluctable trend is toward harder, faster, more violent. Everything like spaghetti. You're not going to believe this because you're so young. But like Sheck and I, like if you've got a Playboy magazine, you're like I'm. I am set. I am so set. I'm going to get so much use out of this fucking Playboy magazine. Like I, I, I'll use this till I'm 17. This is awesome. And now like it's, everything is so hardcore. Like, I mean, when you watch Hagler Hearns, you're like, oh, that's not hardcore enough for you. Like, it's like, there's gotta be a level. And so like UFC has obviously stepped right into that void. It's like, no, no, no. They, they can't have these pillows on their hands. Like they have to seriously break orbital sockets. Like they, like we want, you, we want the whole uh, octagon covered in blood. Like it's like porn sports. Like it used to be like, Hey, let's drink a six pack. It's like, no, no, drink this. You could go blind. Like, what the fuck? Like, everything is so hardcore. <laughs> extreme. We don't even have time to put the E in front of the X. Everything is extreme now, right? Extreme, you know? And it's like, you know, why have a hunting rifle when you can have this weapon of war? You know, why everything is like... And so I just feel like football is violent and the UFC is violent. And that, you know, I can't see anything that will ever pull us out of this spiral, like where you can fucking enjoy Vin Scully for three hours on a summer afternoon, sipping sweet tea on the porch. Like those days are gone. Like if, if there's any kind of like wistful, I mean, even, you know, baseball is like shot clock, shot clock. Like it's like, Jesus, <laughs> everything has to be TikTok. You know, every, everything has to be Pornhub. Everything has to be MMA. Everything just has to be so hardcore. So I, I don't think sports are any exception to that. And I think, you know, we will just continue to go to fight Island, um, you know, and we'll probably in our lifetime, you know, see a fight to the death. 
that'd be a big, uh, big uh, ratings grab. Ooh, this fight I, ends when one guy dies. I wouldn't be surprised, as a matter of fact. However, to play devil's damashek, to your point, hockey has essentially eliminated fighting. You don't really see guys drop the gloves very often anymore. The what's a weird one to me is what I think what I've moved on from in my brain. You're a tennis player, aren't you, Hencher? You used to be at least, weren't you? I used to be a a, a tournament level tennis player. Is that true? True. Yeah. Oh, muzzle tough once again to you. Uh, God bless you. The um, tennis feels like I, you know. When we were growing up, McEnroe, Borg, Jimmy Connors, all that. But then, like, Agassi was a thing. You know, people cared about tennis. I don't think anybody cares about men's tennis anymore. I know we can cite the the big three, but does anybody sit around and watch tennis anymore? It feels like zero. Like you can identify the names, and you have to like be like, hey, you know what, Federer and the Joker, and those, you know. But like, does it? Do people actually devote hours out of their weekend watching tennis? Do you? No. I didn't no. think so. I, I have no I have no sense of anybody. I haven't had a tennis-based conversation. It's the same thing as Anaheim Ducks fans in, in uh, Southern California. Like, they must exist because I see people in the stands, but I have never talked to one. I mean, in 25 years out here, I haven't met anybody like, hey, what? you think my Ducks got a shot of winning it, winning, winning the cup? Zero times. Zero times has that conversation well, ever happened. It's funny that you mentioned McEnroe and Borg and Connors because I, growing up, Obviously, like you would never miss a Wimbledon final or a U.S. Open final. Like, forget it. Of course. Chrissy you know, Everett would, versus Navratilova was must watch for me. I loved watching the French yeah, so Open would, with those I two. I would be following those those tournaments now living on the West Coast. Like I look at my phone and go, oh, yeah, the Wimbledon final already happened. True. I just like literally I forgot. Oh, and the same guy won. Huh, whatever. You know, I mean. It, it should have been more interesting um, the the Joker, Federer, Nadal, Hammerlock, because there were three of them. So I don't know why it never – I don't know why it got less and less interesting over the years. Maybe that's just us. But, like, it feels like growing up in the, like, Hagler, Hearns, Duran, Sugar Ray Leonard era, like, that made it exciting. Like, any of these guys could could win this fight – and now it's just like you just kind of know that they hand the trophies around to each other and it's sort of I don't know it just got boring but again also it's uh it's pastoral you know it's not it's not violent it's not violent enough yeah that's uh that's maybe a point but you know hockey I'm glad to see rising up here a little bit but then I sometimes blur my eyes, and it is certainly one of my three favorite sports, just aesthetically and otherwise, and you know, in terms of following a league and a team and all that kind of stuff. It's it's firmly one of my my three favorites. But if you if you kind of like had to explain all sports to aliens, hockey's the weirdest one of them all. I mean, like it, it's kind of like it's soccer, you see, but except everybody has a stick. And also, they're on skates. It's such a weird contrivance. <laughs> it's like basketball, except they're doing it on skateboards. It's really a weird, it's a, it's a bizarre sport. And on some level, it shouldn't be as popular even as it is. It's such an oddball, regional, it should be a regional thing for people yes. who only live on frozen ponds and otherwise. And somehow, against the odds, it, it's you might have a three-time champ uh, from the Sunshine State, um, whether we like that or not. So... And when what? you say when you say explain hockey to aliens, you mean ninety nine percent of Americans. 
like, <laughs> like, like America understands hockey. No, it is. It is great. Like, so, so you guys in Fort Lauderdale and Tampa, you grew up, you grew up playing pond hockey. No, no, none of us have ever played hockey in our lives. We're nuts for this team. But no, Bobby Orr, but but I do think Bobby Orr and Phil Esposito and company did make hockey way more popular in New England and created a generation's worth of players that emerged and probably ended up playing and beating the Soviets in 1980. Some of those guys probably grew up. I, in fact, I know Mike Ruzioni and those guys uh, cite Bobby Orr and, and those guys. And weirdly, and of all places, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where the three rivers, uh, where, where the Ohio in the, is forged by the Allegheny and the Monongahela converging, they now have a generation's worth of players. Really, the first overall pick is going to be from Pittsburgh, PA, in the upcoming NHL draft. And I do think, I was cynical about Bettman doing that. I do think maybe 10 years, 15 years from now, I mean, there are people who play hockey in L.A. I bet you there's a chance that hockey could break out even in, in the Sun Belt among, like, uh, kids, among you, uh, among youth players. Do you think... 25 years from now, what is the hierarchy of most popular sports in the U.S. of A, Hench? Go ahead. Tackle football. Remains number one. Okay. Remains number one. UFC, number two. Oh, I hate that. The bare feet alone are a turnoff for me. I can't stand it. And then uh, NBA, three. NBA. Okay. So baseball continues its slide. Yeah, baseball continues its death spiral. Uh, that shot clock's going to make it exciting, though. Another b- ball two. Woo. Um, you know, I was thinking about our, our our golfers there and how talk about ratings gold. What if the what if instead of not making the cut, low man d- gets dismembered? Wow. Well, I, I thought of the same. I thought of the same joke. Like a new meaning, not making the yeah. cut or making the cut. Do you want to yeah. you, oh, you, you don't want to make the cut on the yeah. live tour, right? It's like a, uh, it's a 20 footer for par. This par, this putt isn't worth that much money, but it's worth a lot to Patrick Reed in terms of his survival. Oh my God. Everybody would be watching. Everybody watching. Hey, I know we've had our fun with these fucking scumbag golfers, but I do want to make sure people know I'm at, I'm an equal opportunity, uh, rageaholic. I fucking Matt Damon. Where is your statement about crypto? Where is your statement, you fucking, you, you fucking hypocrite? Like, what? Okay, so you said fate, fortune favors the brave. What you meant was people who are brave enough to sacrifice their reputation on the altar of greed and and take. And I, do we have any any doubt that Matt Damon was paid in dollars? He was paid <laughs> that was protected. That was not. He wasn't that brave. If he was brave, he was paid in crypto. But I'm still waiting on on my beloved Red Sox fan, Matt Damon's apology <laughs> for fucking associating with crypto and uh, waiting, of course, for Phil and DJ and Patrick Reed and the gang, Carl, Charles Schwarzschall, uh, to, to apologize for laundering. It's like, yes, it sucks that Joe Biden has to go hat, hat in hand to the fucking Mohammed Bone Sawman to try to get gas prices down. That's the business of governments. You are a rich individual who don't, you don't have to do that. You don't have to sacrifice your reputation. So hopefully more and more sponsors will say, you know what, we're going to, we're going to give our rocket mortgage sponsorship to this guy 
to this guy. You know, <laughs> would these guys would these guys have signed up for that tour on nine twelve? Like, what the fuck? What the fuck? I get it too. By the way, that the journalists you can say they're getting up on Mount Pius, and maybe they are. They're you know they're monologuing at Phil Mickelson about nine eleven and otherwise, and he's a golfer trying to get rich or trying to um, get out of the red he from his gambling rich. debts he or whatever. Is rich, he is rich. I don't. I will forgive anyone who's trying to move from poor to rich. Someone who's trying to move from rich to a little richer, like, wow. Well, that's the steroid thing, right? If you're a borderline Major League Baseball player, I have no beef with you juicing. Barry Bonds, you're on your way to the Hall of Fame, but you're jealous that Sammy Sosa's getting too much shine in the summer of uh, of 98. So so you reckon, so you decide, well, the only way I can be relevant once again is to juice myself. Yes, that's more damning. I completely hear what you're saying about that. What I resent most is... You know, they're dumb golfer guys. Well, you know, what are they supposed to know? I don't want to let them off the hook with it. Um, but what I do resent about them is talking about their, their spin is continually. I said this to Spaghetti earlier in the week, and I'll say it to you now, is <laughs> that they go with like, but I do think the live tour is going to do a lot of good for the game of golf. Like, like it's a, like the game of golf is a sickly child that needs a charitable push. And that's what, that's all Phil's doing. He's just trying to make the game of golf better. And for the, for the next generation is how much good golf has done in the world. I saw how much done. And they just wanted to continue to do great things yeah. for the world. So the live tour could cause, and I do think it will cause golf, to plummet just a little bit. Um, and so does this mean that the, the the trendy sports of 2022, F1, will it continue? Will people care about it a decade from now? Remember, like I said already, I've argued with Kyle Long about this, uh, about like, uh, you know, I said, remember that in our childhood when NASCAR was like, get ready, everybody. It's the fifth major sport. Never actually, never fully um, came to fruition. Will F1 do it? And... Will the WNBA, I thought 10 years ago, I would have bet money like, yeah, that thing will just go away. It's, it's just not, it, it just hasn't caught. But now I feel like a lot of people in the heat of March madness are, are saying like, are you checking out the women's final four and some of the players in the WNBA? I think what you need is some sense of history. And that's why people don't like in baseball specifically uh, to, to refer back to the home run chase thing. Those numbers got warped forever by the steroid era. And there was conversely with WNBA, you start up a league and this is the same thing that plagues the live tour is like, what are the stakes? What are the historical stakes? What am I playing against? What numbers am I chasing in history? Well, like, well, there aren't any. You're the first. You you need a generation's worth of numbers to refer back to for for the carrot you're chasing as the next generation. The WNBA is over that hurdle, I feel like. But will it ever gain the, you know, that, you know, will Spaghetti's children in 20 years being like, I'm not missing the the Lynx game. The Lynx are in the semifinals, and I'm definitely checking that one out. Will uh, Fettuccine and Tortellini, Spaghetti's children? <laughs> will they, will they, I mean, angel I, I hair, say, little angel hair, isn't look, she a sweetie? I mean, look, you know, a part uh, for, for I'll preface this by saying, you know, you've seen it, Shaq. You've experienced it. When I was 22 years old, I I was would have dominated the, the WNBA. 
I would have been way better than those players. I agree. Uh, so and people take offense to that remark, Cynthia but it Cooper, was, it was true 20 years ago. That was yeah, in fact Cynthia the Cooper case. Could not, Cynthia Cooper could not have covered me. I just, I just know it. And it's why Pat had summit um, would have two walk on men practice with her Tennessee volunteer championship teams. She knew it was, it was good for her team to practice against men. Now, I mean, in part because of my own physical decrepitude, but like that is a game that has changed so much. Sue Bird would just destroy me. Like that's just, the game is so much faster and so much better. So on the merits, the WNBA, if you're looking at sports that like have gotten better, are better to watch, you know, like, uh, you know, that sport has been on a huge upward trajectory. The ceiling, no pun intended, that it's going to hit is, well, you are going to share always share viewership with basketball fans who want to watch the better version of basketball, which is the NBA. So you're, you're always going to be the pilot fish with the big shark. I can't imagine that the WNBA is ever going to make serious inroads ratings wise against, you know, the best athletes in the world. I do. Well, first of all, Men's college basketball is the same thing. You know, a lot of a lot of people love high school football. They find it it's purest. You know, obviously there uh, there are higher levels of it, but people delight in high school football more than um, the better athletes playing it. Um, so that so the same would apply there. And in, in fact, men's college basketball has gotten worse because of the impossible. I think kind of impossible. Um, situation, which is, do you let the 18 year olds go in, you know, and I I think as people of justice, yeah, of course, if you want to skip going to college and go straight into the NBA, you should be allowed to in, in the free market. Um, I get what the NBA is trying to do and what the NFL is trying to do with, with holding those guys back a little bit, but college basketball, the the bottom line is, is kind of spoiled. And I don't know how it ever gets back to, I mean, the, Literally, I think who, you know, I'm trying to think would literally like the 2005 college basketball champ defeat the 2022 champ. I think there's a be a decent chance there would because those kids were there for four years. Anyway, I wonder where you come down on because I know you said you wanted to get into a little bit. Is this so there's the 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 fine WNBA thing. And I think much ado is made about the transgender athletes. This this impacts like 0.01% of the population. I think this is such a, a, a culture war thing to distract from other things. But do you think that people are advocating in the wrong direction for equality on that front? Um, because what would you do then? I, well, it's, it's an interesting question. I, I think you get the larger space that I'm kind of going at here. If you're a well, transgender guess, athlete, what league do you even want to go into at that point? I, I guess, uh, like Martina Navratilova, I am a trans-exclusionary radical feminist. I guess I'm a turf Because, okay, look. Let's be tolerant. Let's be accepting. Let's have, you know, like Katie Tur's parent. You can be a news copter pilot. You can be the Jeopardy champion. Uh, you can be an FBI agent on a, on a David Lynch uh, television series. You can basically do anything you want and be treated with equality and tolerance. 
The price for that is you cannot play sports against women. This is the only price we're going to charge is you can't play organized sports against women if you went through puberty as a man. That's the only charge. Everything else, no problem. Nope, nope, got to be able to got to be able to play sports against women. What? Well, then you're going to lose everything. Then you're going to lose everything because the idea nobody everybody knows that you know Leah Thomas was whatever the 462nd ranked men's swimmer and now now winning winning swim meets as as a as a woman by the way Elliot Page is not going to play in the NBA it doesn't go that way right no there's not going to be any like so so what's going to happen is this this trend is everything that Brandy Chastain and Megan Rapino and the Title IX generation fought for. Um, you know, Serena Williams played the 203rd ranked man in the world and got crushed. So it's like, so, okay, then you go, well, we're just going to let these athletes who went through puberty as men compete against women. That's going to, that's going to destroy women's sports pretty quickly if that, if that happens. And so then somebody suggests, what if you had an open division? What if you said, you know, there's a third, you can, you can compete in this open division where everyone's invited. And then the pushback on that was no, 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 no. There have to be two leagues, men's and women's. Okay. So as we evolve on this issue, we're supposed to think in a much less binary way about gender. We're supposed to not think about men and women. It's more fluid than that, except we have to be binary when it comes to leagues. You have to have a men's league and a women's league. Don't try to satisfy us with this open league because why? Because I want to play against women. Because I don't like being the 462nd ranked swimmer in the country. I want to be number one. And it's like, I don't know, it, it, it's it's too bad that it gets caught up in transphobia and, and intolerance because obviously we have a shitload of that in this country. But it, I don't, I genuinely do not understand the allure for, I mean, Dr. Renee Richards talked about it openly. He, he competing as a woman became a top 20 tennis player in the world at age 40. Later in life, she said, I had an unfair advantage. It wasn't fair. And so I don't know what, I, I just don't know what people are getting out of competing with an unfair advantage. I mean, it's it's cuz it's cuz because I think you you hit at it is that it is politicized and so you want to be on the right side of the debate on a sort of a not more uh, not a moral side but a, a sense of justice. The problem is 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 what you say is that practically um you know in in a more enlightened uh state of humanity in which we now reside, we don't depend on who can beat up whom. But the reason that 2000 years ago, men ruled the planet without question is because that gender could physically dominate the other, the, the other gender. It's a, you know, it's an ugly kind of, when you get into that space, it's almost like, it's almost like when people wince, when you mention Hitler, like, Ooh, ooh, ooh. I'm not, I'm not praising him. I'm not, you understand. I'm just mentioning the name. I'm citing him as uh, a, a, as a figure to, to, to try and color in what I'm saying here. There is a, there is a, 
a rigid need to go against another side. But I, I hear completely what you're saying. I think it's weirdly cutting your nose to spite your face. Or well, I don't, so there are some jokes about cutting off other things. But, any, but, uh, but I won't make it because I'm too classy to make that joke. But listen, you look at like the Bill of Rights, right? I mean, like you look at you look at stuff that's it that that is in serious jeopardy right now, right? I mean, like, you know, democracy is in the balance. And, you know, free speech is important, uh, freedom of assembly is important, freedom of religion, you know, nowhere on that list does it say, uh, there's gotta be a sports league for me to play in and I'd like to dominate. Can that like what like it's I I don't know, it just seems like such a, you know, again. You're, you're dealing with a microscopic percentage of the population and of that small population, a microscopic percentage of those people who want to p- compete against women. And it's just like, hey, um, we're going to lose the whole fucking thing if if we don't, uh, you know, because quite frankly, and this is where, you know, feminist Martina has now become a villain, you know, well, w- people want their daughters to compete against girls. That's that's how that's how sports have worked. And when and if you insist on this, you are going to be driving people into that huge grain thresher democracy eating machine of conservatism. That's where I come down on it. You're exactly right. It is not a straw man uh, properly, but it is a distraction. This this is such a I mean, what how many leagues, high school leagues or otherwise are, are are dealing with this right now? Like six? I don't know. Maybe somebody could tell me, oh no, it's many thousands. I, I highly doubt that though. I, it's such a distraction from, from bigger fish to fry and a slightly bigger one elevated by a lot of people out there is this thing with, uh, and last subject for us here is George Washington is considering changing its name from Colonials. Whether or not there's merit in doing that morally and, you know, for in the name of history and because uh, certain people are offended by it and whatever, now's not the time. We don't have time for you to provide more distractions for, the, for, for people to bellyache about. This is not the plague of our time. There is an actual uh, reason to, to be worried about the, the short and long-term future of uh, of our democracy, this whether or not yeah, a team is named yeah. Colonials, it's not real. And in fact, Avalanche and Lightning, two teams whose names don't end in S, is a bigger problem. But anyway, please go ahead, Hinch. Jack. Uh, don't tell me you're concerned about a little dust up where we threatened to kill the vice president and uh, wipe our feces on the walls. A little dust up, no big deal. Both sides, Hinch. It's just both sides. Both sides. That's. <laughs> I got to say. That Washington Commanders organization, that just seems like a I I, I mean well run from the top down. The Cadell is gonna do the Cadell is gonna is going to testify, is gonna be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what, what comes out of that, but I cannot get over for real all the jokes that have been made here and beyond. They really went with commies. They really like they they did and, and remember, they didn't do it over the course of like a week. This was like a two-year process of vetting of names, and boy, that last name was offensive, and we got to get all over that, and we have to bring everybody in, and they settled on commies in our nation's capital. 
<laughs> just the best. This, this is why sticking sticking uh, sticking your toe into those waters right now, especially maybe maybe your energy is better spent on uh, on more fundamental issues. Oh, they said they went. Look, um, we just got to come up with a name where these fucking woke <laughs> where these wokes won't protest. I mean, I'm <laughs> wokes. Okay, what about the Washington Commies? Done and done. They'll love it. They'll love it. <laughs> Ah, uh, well, well, a great time, Henshin. Speaking of bigger fish to fry, your Celtics have the biggest of all. I hate to say it, but I don't want to jive you or any Celtics fan. Tonight, well, if your Last game's night. already over, it was a must-win game. So I hope you got your win or else you're off to summertime. In which case, Hench is absolved of any uh, <laughs> of any uh, super tough emotions until he watches the next uh, hearing going on in our nation's capital. Uh, good times in the meantime, Hench. We'll look forward to catching up with you next week. There he goes. Eddie Spaghetti, your thoughts. Did you want to bite at the apple on any of the subjects we covered here? The sports rankings of the popularity. Oh, yes. I'm interested in, in those. So I didn't realize that the NBA finals are down like significantly from just a few years ago. Like game twos hmm. are almost down like 10 million viewers. Now the NBA has over 11 million. Like this year was 11.9 million um, and they hovered around 11 uh, and change until game four, then it hit 12, then game five, obviously, as the series goes on, games five, six, and seven are obviously way more viewed. Uh, it was at 13 million. Game five is still down a lot, too, from previous ones. So, like, but the gap between the NBA and the NHL is fairly significant. That being, I, I, I could see the NHL getting a huge bump and being uh, closer to the NBA range. I could see the NBA kind of dropping down a little bit because of you know the, the machine that is ESPN. Obviously, the NHL getting the deal, being on ESPN, being on TNT, that's going to help it. I, I think um, you know having some bigger name stars like Connor McDavid and Matthews and McKinnon and McCarr, all these kind of guys, I think it's going to help the league a lot. Whereas the NBA, you have some guys who are you know getting up there in age, like LeBron may retire soon. I think the NBA is an individual base league where they need to have these stars that everyone will watch. So I do see the NBA coming down a little bit, the NHL rising. I do think another sport that was not mentioned that is going to get, you know, we're at the, the real ground floor um, now, but esports, and I know it sounds nerdy and weird, but you have like guys like Sauce Gardner showing up to the NFL draft wearing like Call of Duty League stuff on. I think you're going to see uh, athletes and other, you know, big name celebrities join these leagues and kind of create that and it, that that is building my kids up, so. are in it they yeah. say unironically i want to be an esport athlete mm -hmm. like it, but instead but we also let's play real basketball i i've had the conversation right. with jean claude van damashek he's like i you know i really want to and sincerely says that and i feel like an old curmudgeon saying like i don't mind you doing it but how about also breaking a sweat and going out and playing and then i do sound like an old fool but but perhaps you're right and also the other one we didn't mention is soccer i wonder if that league the u.s based league will ever really catch on i think the thing that would have to happen is people you know in the same way hockey was elevated and more like i said about boston and uh pittsburgh you know when you win the title in those towns it, it you know kids start playing it i guess probably Americans in general started playing more hockey when they won the gold in 1980. So maybe if, maybe that would be the, the big moment for American soccer, if they would, you know, go really deep in the world cup from Qatar this year. 
I, I still, you know, people like to call like the NHL like a niche sport. I don't, the NHL is not. The NHL is far above that. And I, I, I think, unfortunately, for soccer, it is, and especially in America, where people just know the product, the MLS product and other various leagues, the product is not as good. And that's obvious because the best players in America or, or American board players, they go overseas. So now you have this, you have people, I mean, obviously we have covered in glory on, on this network where like Toby and, and Brett, you know, two, two dudes who live in America are, they, they pick their EPL teams and, you know, so that's the way it is. Like you have to just go outside of the country. And I think there's always going to be a divide in America of like, do you really want to wake up at saturday at 5 a.m to watch soccer games Do you want to wake up early to watch even the f1 stuff i think there's like just there's certain areas of this country where it's like we're never going to watch hockey we're never going to watch f1 we're never going to watch soccer and you have other areas of the country where like we're never going to watch basketball we're never going to watch baseball so it's just it depends but i i think the four major sports will be i think the ba- baseball is just the one that's going to continue to tank i think that's obvious i think nba will find its level it'll drop a little bit but not a ton because i think people are getting kind of tired of the product i mean even listen to against all odds like you know uh, especially barley kid who's a huge nba fan like the product lately is not that great and the nhl obviously gary bettman's super thrilled with revenues they say uh, over five billion which they said is a conservative amount it's probably over that and it's only going to get better and I, I would not be shocked if you know if, if this series with the avalanche the lightning hit games six or seven if you're seeing close to five million viewers uh across you know espn and, and abc i think it's going to be great for the league if, so if, if, if I, I do think if the nhl the quality of play continues to be exciting continues to trend towards more goals and at the same time the nba is this spread the floor, everybody playing the same style, four shooters surrounding a guy getting into the paint. Um, I do think there's a chance for the NHL to, to, to uh, people do that niche thing. And I think it goes back to what I said that uh, as a joke, but I also mean it's like, wait, what? Like, wait, they're on ice. They're like, they're doing a sport already, but now they're also on skates doing it is a, it's a weird jump in your brain to like, Wait, we're going to, it's sunny outside, but let's go inside. And now once we're inside, there's ice inside this place. And now they all have sticks. What the hell is happening? And like, wait, it's not a ball, really. It's not going to play with a ball. It's like, uh, it's like a muffin. They kind of looks like a, it looks like a, a scone kind of, is that what it is? You know, it is, it is weird for your brain to accept. But anyway, um, good times, good conversation as always. Um, go back and listen, like we already said at the top. Good episode for football fans hankering to get some pigskin talk. We uh, we did a good amount of that with Brad Spielberger from PFF and Over the Cap. And uh, good times as always with Hench. And so for Eddie Spaghetti, Hench, Spielberger, and everybody at the Extra Points Network, make sure you're going to the extrapoints.com. Um, arcade to play against us and with us and try and win your gold hat and beyond and make sure you're downloading and listening and subscribing to all the good shows here on the extra points network until after the weekend when we come back to try and make sense of it all for you thanks so much sports fans it's been a thin slice of heaven